The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand on Elliott, plowing to the goal line. Barry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback. Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, and Kyle Yeomans. It is a Talking Cowboys Tuesday here from the SWBC studios at the Star in Frisco. Welcome in, everybody, as we welcome you back into an offseason edition. We are post-draft. We are previewing rookie minicamp and, of course, the offseason rolling along here from Frisco. Fantastic. How do you feel? I feel good, man. It, you know what? We had Mother's Day weekend, so I guess we should be yeah, be respectful. Yes, we should. How was Mother's Day for you guys? Did you guys do anything special for your mothers, your wives? First time having my mom and my and my wife in the same city at the same time for Mother's Day. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so. that's dope. It was dope. It worked. So you went over and above. No, it's just normal. No, oh. normal, normal. So we're crazy. You, you missed an opportunity. You said your mom Listen, and your man, wife we, we in the did same brunch. Okay, brunch was fire, and then he took them to the mall. City. He didn't say yeah. same room. Yeah, we did brunch. Took them to the mall. Grabbed them both something. Oh, yeah. and then we went to hey. Grandscape. Got some ice hey. cream. Hey. Like you know, that's humble. That's a nice humble chill. brag. Like that's it. a humble wow. brag right there, dog. I love you. Talk about. I didn't do much. To the Louis store. We were done. No, sir. Bob, you know me. Hey, by one o'clock we was done. That's the way to do it, dude. By one o'clock we was out. One o'clock a.m. That's crazy. But see, that's the thing. He was feeding them mimosas. He said brunch. That's why you were done by one. Uh, (laughs) What about you, P? What you put down? We're postponing till uh, this weekend. Postponing to this weekend. Yeah, the kiddo's been a little sick, so we're gonna we're gonna make up for it. Nice. Yeah. So we had a chill. We had we had literally a very chill Mother's Day. That's nice. But you got to do something, right? Absolutely. You can't just say, "Oh yeah, we'll just do it next week." That doesn't work. Yeah. I, I technically postponed mine as well. I'm taking my mom to a Rangers game on Monday. Dope. So nice. That'll be a, a mother son. Who are they playing? Thing. Uh, the Angels. Angels. The Los Angeles right. Angels of Anaheim. I'm waiting for Seattle to come to town. Yeah. I'll, go. Oh, I'll go with you. Yeah. I like the Mariners. That's when I go. I, half those guys were on my minor league team that was up. out there. So oh, yeah. Whenever yeah. the Mariners come to town, you yeah, we'll there. go. We'll go. I've got a Mariners hat. Too. Everybody's taking care of Mother's Day. You gonna take your mom too? What'd you do? Yeah. What did you? Ah, God, I guess. Well, I was in Dripping Springs calling lacrosse. It's <laughs> just a well-timed drop. <laughs> well done. He was waiting on it. Beamer was waiting on it. <laughs> he, he was His ready. hand was hovering. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Mario coin. I, I, you know? I couldn't get to it fast <laughs> <laughs> I was calling the state lacrosse, the uh, THSLL state That's what's up. tournament. So I'm making up for Mother's Day. All week, so you love go. you, Nikki. Oh, not just Nikki. next weekend. All yeah. week, all baby. week, yeah, all no, week, baby. But, but she did tell me you took her to her favorite restaurant early on in the week. I did. I, there I, you I go. So right. had to get the party started right after I knew what I was going to do. But you <laughs> had a birthday. I did. Happy and, birthday, and 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 a bachelor party. I did. Oh shit! It, my wait a minute. In New Orleans, so I was about to be in very Nola. So. Popping on the handstand. Oh no! Uh, humping your back and lift oh. your rump. Oh my! Going on. Oh, a lot of a lot of Todd Anthony Shaw being played. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who Todd Anthony Shaw is? I don't actually. He popping on the handstand. Mm-hmm. You know what that means? Mm-mm. Oh, good. No. 
Nope. <laughs> you don't know who t- the the Nola too young. the <laughs> Nola vibes that I got this weekend was, was Hurricane Cut Time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm really disappointed that you don't know who Todd Anthony Sean after is. dark. Wow, oh, maybe if I heard it. Maybe. So I know people are going to hands You're not going to hear it on here. <laughs> no. no. You're, it, uh, well, let me just say it like this. Uh, Todd Anthony Shaw is an American-born rapper from mm. East Oakland who goes by the moniker Too Short. Mm. We will oh. be playing a lot of him during your bachelor party, mm. Kyle. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. yes, we will. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was too short's real name. I didn't Come either. on, P. I, I, I left a lot of it. P. That, that's my. Uh, I had yeah, no idea. No, that's my wheelhouse, man. Early, early nineties. But I didn't know his real name. This makes me feel better because well, I you didn't had know no who idea. Too Short is. Period. I know who Too Short is. <laughs> I don't know who, what, whatever the name was. Don't do it. I started early. I I'm still tripping that you went to the BT uncut. I don't, I don't understand how you went to. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, oh, 11 o'clock. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun weekend, and we have already seen that this is spilling over into oh, it's, oh, we're, oh, we're five minutes deep. We are five minutes into the show, and we have not talked a lick of Cowboys. Come on, 11. It's offseason at its best. Kentucky Derby was this weekend, by the way. Yeah, Kentucky Derby. Tom Brady's going to be a football analyst after that. he retires. That's pretty I don't want to see that bag. Jesus. That's Miami Grand Prix for Formula One was the, big. The fact that they secured that already, you know the bag is dumb. Well, yeah. they had to do something after Troy. Yeah. Bolts. Well, they, they elevated. They, yeah. they upgraded for sure. Sorry, Daryl. Daryl Moose Johnston was kind of right in that. And he's great on TV. He is. Yeah, he's he fantastic. Is. He's really he was, great. You know, Tom, Tom Brady's a different player. Aging pool. well, Daryl Moose Johnson. Yeah, he doesn't right. age. He doesn't. I don't know what he's doing, but it, it looks good on him. Him and for real. They just Moose. Don't age. Doing need, a great job. We need to get my boy Kevin Burkhart on. I would love that, actually. You know, someone on this show interviewed Kevin Burkhart. <laughs> Excuse me. On this website. <laughs> right? <laughs> Excuse me. I got something. What? <laughs> Dial it up. Yeah, let's get him on. Yeah, let's make it. Let's make it happen. I would love that. Uh, Rob, news and notes for the Cowboys. It's been pretty dry recently. I mean, it's a quiet time around the start, but we do have rookie minicamp coming up this weekend. Anything stick out to you over the last week? We are waiting till Thursday when the rookies arrive. I think it's well, it's nine draft picks. It is, I think, twenty-ish rookie free agents, handful of veteran guys, like first-year eligible guys who will take part. A couple tryout guys. They'll come in Thursday. They'll get their physicals done. Everything checks out. They'll sign their contracts, get their equipment, and then we'll have some football on the field Friday and Saturday, I believe. El football? Football Americano. So it starts and, Thursday, but no like on-field stuff really Thursday, right? Uh, no, no. Thursday, just come in, check in, Got get it. everything rolling. Physicals. Physicals. That's why the deals are not signed yet, because guys, that's all got to check out. So they'll take care of that. And it, it used to be, Isaiah, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I want to say when you came in, and it was up until a few years ago, it was the week after the draft, guys would come in for the, for the rookie camp. Man, I don't even remember, to be honest with you. I think it that's was. the way it used to it be. It was. It used and, to be Mother's Day weekend. And it just mm-hmm. was a combination of like... I remember it was hot. I remember that. See, yeah, and it was two practices, I yeah. think, a day. And, you know, there's been situations where guys have... Puked. Yeah. Called <laughs> Earl. I was on a bike, man. I was still injured. Yeah, that's I was right. Still, I was still in rehab protocol, so they threw me on a bike in, in the Devil's Playground out yeah. there. And, uh, yeah, it was hot, man. They, Valley Ranch. Yeah, Jason Valley Garrett Ranch. finally Valley scrapped that. Hot, hot. It Dude, was bro. super hot. Yeah, it's hot, hot. Bro, I was I'm tell you, I went from Seattle, which was like like upper 40s, yeah. to all of a sudden came down here, and it was in the mid-90s. And I just saw Jesus on yeah. that bike. I was on a bike all day just. <laughs> 
And that's that's the thing. Like, there's guys that come from different climates, and you haven't. You're not in football shape. You've been no. auditioning for the draft. It's not the same. It's nowhere near the same. And then you get thrown into two days, and finally Garrett was like, "Ah, scrap this." Now, and is that literally your welcome to NF, welcome to the NFL moment as a rookie, or is it on mm. at camp OTAs? No, not mine. Mine's was against uh, my first practice in camp, coming off of injury and all that jazz, not having gone through rookie stuff because I was hurt. Stepping on the field, and my and we're practicing against the Denver Broncos, and my first rep of one-on-ones, we were doing one-on-ones, was against some dude named Champ Bailey. Oh, yeah, yeah that'll, that'll wow. go. I, I ran the only route that I knew how to run because I had never played receiver. Go. Straight. Go. <laughs> go. <laughs> go. Run straight and fast. <laughs> See ball, catch ball. <laughs> Walk the other direction. <laughs> Don't make eye contact. So how did that go for you? I, I did it, and I caught it, and I walked the other direction. I didn't make eye contact. I did not want to run it back. Mm. So I won that so one. That that's not your welcome to the rookie or yeah, welcome was, to the NFL dude, moment. Dude, when you line up, I didn't even NFL know. Moment, listen, it's like when you're Kyle, humbled and, and Kyle. No, no, no. Listen, you, you I, I was already gamer. humbled. I was already humbled. I was humbled because I came in injured playing a position I never played before. So sure. I was humbled already on a receiving room that had uh, that had T O. Yeah, yeah. It had some dudes in there, right? Yeah. T O T G. Yeah. We had some guys. We had some ghosts and PC. So. I step on the field. I don't even know what the heck I'm wearing. I'm wearing all the pads. So these guys are clowning me because I'm wearing all the thigh pads, all the knee pads. You know receivers don't wear thigh pads it's or knee pads. It's a business decision. Dude, so I'm out there, and T.O. and those guys are like, what in the heck is this? So they're clowning me. I don't know how to stand in a receiver position. I don't think people understand how raw – yeah, raw. I remember that coming straight up. straight out the ocean. They just—I <laughs> remember that coming up in the locker room. Like that was a, that was you know part, yeah. of, part of the you know. So that was my welcome. So anyway, they 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 used to do this the week after. Now it gives a chance for guys number one to just get their affairs in order, get everything settled after the draft, and they come right in and jump into the offseason program. And it's we'll get into we can get into what the camp's going to look like but it it's getting guys ready for OTAs when the when yeah. vets you know yeah. this, it's not going to be uh super strenuous yeah and and we've kind of seen that over the last couple of off seasons from the virtual standpoint of 2020 into 2021 where it was one of those times and and we had talked about it on this show many times in the past that it's it's lighter from a yeah. from an off season standpoint. When you get to training camp, you still hit the ground running. You still have your your practices. But from an off season standpoint, it's a lot of install. It's a lot of getting up to speed, getting ready for OTAs and building, of course, to Oxnard in late July. But how much can you get out of a camp like this, Isaiah? From a player standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, how much can you really see and really learn from a rookie mini camp when you finally do get to see your your guys for the first time, but also it's still very limited? Yeah, I believe from the coach's perspective, they just wanna they wanna affirm what they've seen on film. They wanna make sure that their selection or you know, whether if they're your draft pick or if you're a free agent, you know, what they everybody has film, they wanna affirm that what they saw is true. Yeah. And they wanna they wanna just see glimpses of it. Oh yeah, okay, cool. We made the right decision. Um, from the player standpoint, you wanna go out there and compete. They, the coaches are gonna test you in terms of your your ability to be able to, to absorb information. They're gonna throw a lot at you. Really it's gonna be very simple. But maybe not so simple, depending on the program that you're coming from. And they're going to want to try to overwhelm you and see exactly how you handle it. You're in a new environment. You're out there trying to compete every play because you think that every play is going to be the thing that gets you cut. And then, and then they're going to throw a whole bunch of on you mentally and see what you, what can you can handle. Um, and then physically, physically, you're going to be taxed because to Rob, you know, Rob P's point, you have been literally training to do tests. 
You've been training to push as much weight as you can as many times as you can. You've been trained to run 40 yards and stop. You've been trained to jump as high as you can. You have not been training to play football. Hmm. Because the, the, the un, unfortunately, what this NFL has turned into, at least this combine, is how, how well you can do something. That's how, that's how much money you're going to make coming out of college. If you if you're you might have been a fourth round guy, you go out there and run a four two. Guess what you are now? You're a first round guy or start at the top of the second, just because you just because you worked so hard on that one aspect. Right. And so that's what guys are training for. They're putting a lot of emphasis, a lot of weight on that because that's what their agents are paying for them to go do. Train for the combine, not train for the league. So Heckma, when you're watching these practices later in the week, are you looking for the side to sides? Are you looking for the the reading ability, the the first step? Is it that kind of stuff? It's all football related, or does the athleticism kind of play into that? I mean, we saw it last year with Micah Parsons during minicamp where it kind of clicked and said, "Oh, this guy can do a little bit more than just play off ball linebacker." You know, Kyle, I really don't. For for me, not being able to hear the teaching install portion of it, because I realize that's the biggest portion for the for the Huge. coaches uh, is breaking down the terminology that you mm-hmm. were just talking about, getting guys acclimated to the NFL as far as the knowledge uh, that yeah. it's going to take to be able to play the position. Um, but you know, trying to get guys to unlearn some of their bad habits, I don't think you get that until you get a guy in full pads that you you start yeah. to understand what he can and can't do. Um, uh, Chris. Beam calls it the underwear Olympics in the the OTA period. And I I agree uh, because now isn't you know, it's just all about getting these guys mentally uh, ready for what's going to be in front of them. But the excitement has to be there for once, you know, you're in full full gear and you get an opportunity to see how these guys operate because obviously they're going to come in and have to unlearn some bad ha- habits from college. I think there's a couple, couple examples to your point. Like, I go back to 2018, Jihad Ward, you guys remember him? Yeah. He comes in, he's a free agent that they signed from Oakland, and Rod Marinelli type interior pass rusher or even edge guy up the field what you know that's what they were looking for he shined in these OTAs and minicamp he was great and Rod even warned us afterwards he was like look let's get the, let's get to Oxnard let's get the pads on see what happens he didn't make the team and I'm not ripping anybody but I'm just saying that to your point like it's hard to tell especially like I'm looking forward to seeing what John Ridgeway can bring like the interior fifth round draft pick defensive tackle, they talked him up after the draft, trying to get bigger inside, stop the run. It's gonna be hard to tell until <laughs> training camp starts, especially for the big linemen. Like I think you can see how guys move around, especially at the skill positions for something like yeah, this. You can tell from DBs, especially D- DBs for sure. And and the Sean Wright's another example. Yes. Like yeah. he, he really stood out last year, and we were like E Honda, damn, yeah, with the E Honda yeah. hands, and we're like, damn, okay. Late third round pick. Everybody thought it was gonna be a seventh round pick. This guy could he start? Like we yeah. kind of we we jumped the gun a little bit on that, but it turned out like <laughs> yeah. I mean he. I looked it up. He had ninety one snaps out of eleven fifty something like that defensive defensive snaps last year. That being said, he still could turn into a nice player. And yeah. and uh, but again, it's you can get a little excited um, for for this first camp just because his football's back, man. It is back, and, and I remember even seeing like Nation Wright running backwards, backpedaling, and then like knocking down a pass mm-hmm. on a receiver in the back half Kitten. of the end zone. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like maybe maybe they knew something, and then of course it didn't necessarily turn into anything in year one. But from a from a coaching standpoint, you look at this camp, and you you look at the way that you install these practices, Rob. When you're installing this early on. Isaiah pointed to it earlier. Are you are you throwing everything at these rookies, or are you kind of taking it one step at a time, one bite at a time, so that way they're 
they're comfortable, but you don't want them to be too comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the rookie camp's more of a baseline, mm-hmm. and some of it's some of it's not just on the field teaching. Like Heck mentioned that it's also, hey, this is how we do this. This is how our schedule works day to day. This is the weight room. This is how we're going to operate in meetings. Just kind of getting guys their feet underneath them, yeah. and then once you get to OTAs and the veteran camp. It's where a lot of the installation is, to where when you get to, to get to Oxnard, a lot of it is just review. They're not putting in a lot of yeah. new stuff, but you're trying to get these guys just kind of just it's an orientation more than anything. Well, and they did a little competitive stuff last year. I OTAs say. is as a rookie though, OTAs is almost a breather. It's almost a breath of fresh air because rookie minicamp, there's nobody else to sub in and out. Like it's it's oh, you. it's thin. Yeah. Right, so not only do you have the stress of new environment and the classroom and film and install, and and now you're going out there and now you're trying to compete as hard as you can because you're trying to put your best foot forward. Dog, it's hot, right? Isn't, we're talking about upper nineties, humid. You know, humid is all get out, feeling like a sun outside, and then you're, there's nobody. When you look over to the side, there's nobody there. So you're taxed, and guess what? Now the coaches are really going to see who they have because when there's nobody to sub in and out for you when you're gassed and you still got to put your best foot forward, you find out real quick in a hurry who you have. You know, and we saw yeah. last year even with Micah. Micah was dying. That boy was almost army crawling about right. here, right? He was almost army crawling, and he just happened to be one of the best players in the doggone league, you know, yeah. months later. So it, it is challenging. It doesn't matter who you are, first-round pick, or if you're a free agent. This is an unusual uh, heat wave we've got in North Texas right now. Friday, I don't know what they're going to do Sunday. I don't know what the Sunday schedule looks like, but they're going to practice Friday and Saturday. High of 93 Friday, high of 91 on Saturday. They got a break. Nice and hot and heavy. In the past, they've gotten rid of the team periods, though. I think they just do like... Because they, they don't have enough people, something. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, it, speaking of that, of not having enough people, you look at the the draft class and you look at the undrafted free agents, and there's a common theme between the two of them. There's no quarterbacks on either one of those lists, and it was reported earlier this morning that uh, they'll have a couple cowboy or a couple quarterbacks come in yeah. to rookie minicamp to on a tryout basis. One of which, Nick Starkle, who is from Argyle, he was here at Dallas Day, went to Argyle Liberty Christian, played his high school football there. It's now the the school where Jason Witten's a head coach at, by the way. Uh, then he went to Texas A and M, never really found any playing time there. Went to San Jose State, and then really set the world on fire at San Jose State. The other quarterback is Terry Wilson. He started his career at uh, at New Mexico, then transferred, or excuse me, at Kentucky, then transferred to New Mexico, and he was kind of pitter pattering down the stretch with the Lobos there. But there are a couple quarterbacks coming in to throw around. But that brings me to my question because I know for me personally, I want to look at some of these wide receivers that the Cowboys added on the back half of the, of the depth chart, and we have talked about this as well on the show of how thin the wide receiver room is without Cedric Wilson, of course, without Amari Cooper at the top. You added Jalen Tolbert in the middle of your your draft class, and you added James Washington in the free agent class, but really you still feel thin from a wide receiver standpoint. They bring in four different wide receivers from a, an undrafted free agent standpoint. Dontario Drummond, wide receiver from Ole Miss, who they met with at the Combine. Jakari Robinson, who was very, very productive for Wake Forest in 2020. Same can be said for Ty Freifogel, Freifogel, who was the Big Ten wide receiver of the year for Indiana in 2020. And then Dennis Houston from Western Illinois. Four wide receivers that I want to see more of, along with Jalen Tolbert, added into the mix there as well from rookie minicamp. But Heckma, is wide receiver a position where you're going to have your eyes glued on? And if there's another one, what would it be? You know, it, they they talked at length about not being done 
in free agency. So that's obviously a place where you're going to have to look uh, because you are so thin. But players like Jalen Tolbert and, and him – Everything that he comes in with, the the moxie machismo uh, and his... I like that. What was that? Moxie. A moxie machismo? Yeah. What is that from? That's from that's just a hegemonism. I like that. I, do, dog. I like that. <laughs> it just kind of threw me off for a second. I had to circle back to it. Machismo? Machismo. I like it. Okay. You didn't watch WWE in there. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, good. none of that. Well, Razor. <laughs> machismo. Machismo. Oozing machismo. Oozing mm. machismo. I like it. So, but but my my point is like Tolbert is even though he's you know a cocky guy, he's coming from the FBS you know levels. He still is confident in his ability, and I just feel like you know there's so much riding uh, for him and guys like uh, I can't the, the kid from uh, Indiana who went on. Fry Fogel. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's opportunity for those undrafted guys to try and break into that wide receiver room. So excited about that. But really even thinking, uh, forward thinking uh, for the wide receiver group that they got to add some more names. But when you talk about the other groups uh, that we have, linebacker, they have to. Bingo. They have, to, they have to be thinking of adding uh, a veteran linebacker uh, because right now that's probably the thinnest room you have, and I just don't see them being asleep at the wheel at that position the way that we've seen it with the offensive line. We've seen it in other areas, but you've, gotta, you've got to try and figure out a way to shore up the linebacker room. You agree, Isaiah, with that? Yeah, I'm definitely at the linebacker position. Receiver, I think they're going to pull a vet. There's, a, there's, a, there's enough savvy vets that are out there in the free agent market right now whether healthy or getting healthy, I think that there are going to be plenty of opportunities to grab one of those guys. And somebody want to come add to that room. I think they still need a veteran presence in that room. There's, I personally don't believe that you can go into this season with CD as your leader. There's no disrespect to him. I just think that they need – they need somebody else that's a little bit more seasoned. Where do you put CD, man? I mean, as far as the list of, like, it's all comparison by analysis, yeah. but is he one of those guys that you even put in the first-tier group of wide receivers in this league? Not me. What does he have to do to break the, that ceiling? As a, you know, Be more as a consistent. Temp. Yeah. Be more consistent. I think, I mean, obviously, he's an exceptional talent. Fast, can catch. Make big plays, mm-hmm. you know. Once he's on a hot streak, he's on a hot streak. Like you can't really stop him. But it's just the inconsistency. I think there's a lot of drop balls. He's not the at, only one at fault for that. Dak was pretty inconsistent in terms of his passing as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, a combination of those two getting together and figuring things out this offseason, I think he can make huge strides. I just still think that there always is a in every in every room there needs to be a veteran that even if that veteran is not starting. There needs to be a guy that everybody can when things are down and things are you know, everybody's frustrated that you can still look to and that dude could be like, hey. Chill out, young blood. Like you know, say like, like this is this how we just how yeah. he needs to go. I think I know the answer to this question before I ask it, but I still want to put it out there. You 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 don't consider Michael Gallup and James Robinson to be veterans in that room, do you? James uh, Washington. Uh, Washington. Yeah, I don't know enough about James Washington as a as a player, you know, in the locker room <laughs> to speak on that. I do think that Michael Gallup has has the capability of being that guy in the room. Unfortunately, when you're coming off of injury, people look at you sideways. Hmm. That's just the reality. So it's hard unless you're unless you're a guy who's just been around the league for a minute. You're not going to be that dude sitting there with a knee brace on, or a guy that's rehabbing with Britt Brown, you know, for most of the day, and then be able to step in that meeting room and be that dude. It's Even just, with it coming the way that it did on a touchdown grab and a big high high visible game. 
I mean, no. and the ACL tear being visible no. from the beginning. And, and I'm not saying that is not a possibility. I'm just saying what the tendency is. That people, if, it doesn't matter unless you're just a high arcing player. If you're injured, you're you're the guy over there, hmm. and it sucks. I've been that guy over there a lot, you know, but that's really what it is. And I've seen that with with veterans. I've seen that with, you know, rookies. It's just you have to work your way back into it. Now, once he's healthy, of course, he can step right back into that mold. But when is he going to be healthy is the question. So as long as as long as CD, as long as, as, long as um, Gallup is injured, I think CD is the guy that everybody's going to be looking to. And I'm not sure that he's ready for that responsibility. I think that he's fully capable of taking care of himself. Right now, but I think he's still figuring out himself. It's hard to be a leader and figure yourself out simultaneously. Does that make sense? No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think that's where he's at right now. And I could be completely wrong, but just visually what I see, I think he's still trying to figure out who CeeDee Lamb is in this NFL. I think the expectation is for him to take that next step, and not only on the field production, but exactly the way that you're talking yeah. about. He has to step up as a leader. He has to step up as somebody that that room can turn to. And having another veteran in the in the mix would would help with that. Yeah. I, I definitely think that. But it also it reminds me of the the running back position over the last couple of years too. Yeah. With all these undrafted running backs, you look at like a Rico Dowdle, a Shaywell Alanalua who was released this past weekend. Guys like that who have made impacts from an undrafted standpoint, just mm-hmm. because there hasn't been a whole lot of running back depth outside of the Zeeks and the Tony mm-hmm. Pollards. I feel like that kind of looks – that's what their wide receiver room looks like right now with four undrafted free agents and then a couple guys that you've added throughout as well. You think there's space for that? Not really? like I a mean, ton. I'm just saying that there's an opportunity there. I mean, I, If they go at a, a veteran wide receiver, then no. I don't think so. I'm not even sure they're going to do that. I mean, I know they, that, that that was a whisper that they tried to do that before the draft. And you're right; like Gallup could miss multiple games in September. It's very, it's possible. Yeah. Um. And and to your point, like the 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 elder statesman on this in this group is Noah Brown. Mm-hmm. This is his sixth year. Yeah. He's 26 years old. Michael Gallup's 26. CD's 23. It's a it's a young group, but yeah. that's that's what they factored in when they made this decision yeah. with Amari is that we're going to be young. And guys are going to have to to elevate. And some guys on the back end that I think have a chance to compete. We've talked about Semi. Uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned the undrafted guys, but there are the veteran guys that are going to come in that were eligible to participate in this rookie camp. TJ Vasher's in that group. Yep. Nice. Uh, out last year with a knee injury. Brandon Smith was a guy. He was on the practice squad last yep. year. Sure. Too. And they, they big like wide him. receiver. I think they. It sounded like they kind of looked at him like maybe a future Noah Brown type guy yep. who can develop but also help us on special teams. So just some other guys to watch. But you're right, they are young, and it's you know Jalen Tolbert's a third round draft pick, but you're sure looking at him right now like he's going to have to step in and start. I mean, because yep. we're talking about I mean they play eleven personnel two thirds of the mm-hmm. time. He's a starter. You know, got to be. Yeah. And they look at him as a second round guy, too. They don't look oh, at him that's as true. a third yeah. round guy. Yeah. They look at him as a second round pick that they just basically went a different direction and then got lucky that he was there in the third either way. So, yeah, I think starting starting is the expectation for Jalen Tolber. We'll continue answering some of these questions on the other side of the break. Give us a call. We're going to take your calls here on Talking Cowboys. It's been a while since we've gotten to talk to Cowboys Nation. 888 855 2297. Once again, give us a call or ask a question on Twitter. 888-855-2297. We'll get to the fans when we come back right after this. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. 
Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek. And we're both with... United, United Ag, Ag and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. <laughs> well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Back to Talking Cowboys. Welcome back to Talking Cowboys, off-season edition. We continue to take a look forward to rookie minicamp that is on the docket coming up this weekend. And as always, we got to talk to our friends about youth camps. How about this? Registration open for Dallas Cowboys Youth Academy camps presented by Invisalign. Don't miss the chance to learn from former Dallas Cowboys players and current Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Visit DallasCowboys.com academy to learn more and secure your spot today. Those are wonderful camps, by the way. My, my children were in it last year. Danny McCray runs it upstairs. Mm-hmm. Awesome camp. Nice. Awesome camp. I've heard that even every year it gets better. Like, I mean, they do a really good job of it every single year. And, of course, I don't have any children to send to it. But I've heard just through the grapevine that it gets better every year. So I say, is Stan back going to make an appearance out of youth camp this year? I have not been reached out to, but I might have Mm. to do so. Maybe able to get 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 the ball moving on that one. All right, so it's been a while since we've talked to Cowboys Nation. Let's talk about some Cowboys questions from our friends out there, I'm going to take the first one off of Twitter. How do all of our interior offensive linemen compare in size, mm. and which ones could help the Cowboys to return to the run first offense? So, some of the new guys that they're going to put inside, along with Tyler Biotish, along with Connor McGovern, how do they all compare? And who is going to help the Cowboys establish that run game again and try and balance this offense out a little bit more? I mean, t- size-wise, Tyler Smith is is huge. I mean, he's a big kid, 6'5", 3'12". Run it to the left. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> – yeah, we're Madden. sized up there, man. Yeah, uh, that's the biggest reason why they drafted him, I think. Plus the tackle flexibility, which I don't think we're going to see that 
anytime wow. real soon unless something happens on the left side with Tyron Smith. But that's the biggest reason why he's here. Um, you know, Tyler Biotish is not the biggest center. So I think you're trying to – I think that was – we've talked about it. That that was an issue in certain matchups when you have Connor Williams at left guard, Tyler Biotish at center, and you're facing certain matchups. That's been a problem for them. So, um, But if you look at – and PFF's not the be-all, end-all, but if you look at Tyron Smith and Zach Martin's grades when they were on the field last year, it's pretty good, you know. And they're hoping and they're hoping Terrence Steele can take a step forward in that regard too. So looking at Tyler Smith, six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Twenty-five. That's it. Yeah, three twenty-five is mm. is his. And then you look at like Connor Williams. I mean, he was what six five, three twenty, or no, six five, three fifteen. So he's about ten pounds lighter than Tyler Smith, and about the same size. But you can look at the two. I mean, it was a di- it's a different build for those those guys. Tyler Smith is is much more. Uh, ready for the NFL, I think, than Connor Williams was at the point when he entered the league. And you'll probably see that early on. Do you expect him to start from the beginning at left guard? Because Mike McCarthy didn't want to commit to that. Neither did Joe Philbin when we talked to him as well. Doesn't want to commit to it, but he committed to the left side. Yeah, That's all we heard. Is he the front runner or the expected starter at left guard, or are we jumping the gun? He's playing X receiver. (laughs) He's going to play a little tight end. (laughs) He's playing a little I'm sorry. Maybe some in, maybe some inside linebacker help out that depth chart. Play the left side. Well, we know he's not playing left tackle. <laughs> know that. We know he's not playing center. Yep. Well, there's yeah. There's I, think they're, lo- I think fair. they are looking at him as the backup left tackle, though. That's the yeah, thing. Well, I mean, yeah, he's a backup left tackle, but there's an all pro guy still sitting there. But so. either way, the, the 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 significance about him saying that was that he didn't want to commit to him saying, "Hey, our first round pick's going to be a starter at left guard." Well, they want him to come come in, compete, and win the job sure. over over Connor McGovern. I don't think they make. I don't think they make that pick unless they think he can. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Name the last first round pick that did not start, please. I mean, there's you have to win the job. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying he won't, but I'm saying that that that's he hasn't played guard since senior year of of high school. I hear you. So he's got to come in and win it. If I could finish, I'm saying if he (laughs) he he would not have been the pick if they didn't think he could step in and start. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. So that's that's the expectation. Got you. But left left tackle, no. I think what they're trying to do is keep him on one side. If you remember. Terrence Steele trying to switch from right tackle to left tackle in the middle of the season, mm-hmm. that didn't go so well. Yeah. And and you talk to guys about doing that sometimes, and it's like it's almost like changing writing with a different hand. So they just want to keep him on one side, keep Josh Ball, I think, at right tackle and just see how it goes. But if he's not the starting left guard, then that that's it's not a bust, but it's just that's you know that's the hope because you because you want your first round pick to step in and do something right away. Yeah, he will be playing left guard. I like I, I, everything that Rob P just said is absolutely correct. Unfortunately, there's not a level playing field when it comes to the NFL and who gets the money and when you're drafting the commitments and all that jazz. He will be playing left guard. There's not a he's going to compete. He's going to compete for it. But McGovern knows if he sneezes wrong. He's there. He's yeah. Smith's yeah. in there. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Let's take our first call. Maurice in Tacoma, up there in okay, Washington. What's up? You okay, what's up? You dub action in the house. What's Washington. Up? I don't know if he went to Washington, Maurice, but welcome to Talking Cowboys. I hope he's a U Dub guy. What's up, my guy? <laughs> you want to send a special what's up to the fellow Washingtonian? What's up, my dude? What's good with you, man? 
You know what I mean? Tech Town in the building, man. Already. Thank you, Town Tech Town. I hear you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, so my question is kind of more of a concern. Mm-hmm. I feel like Greg, the Lake, or the Old Lake just couldn't get it done last season, and I see we're going a different direction. I'm wondering what you guys think as far as your concerns with the kicking game this year. Are we going to do better? Well, thank you for your question, Maurice. And I think that it's a, a decent concern about really anybody hmm. around Cowboys Nation right now because you have two guys that were both undrafted free agents, both local-ish sort of kids. You, you've got Jonathan Garibay, rookie from Texas Tech, who was who was good from a, a PAT standpoint in college. Of course, it's different in the NFL, but he was also hit or miss from 45-plus for the Red Raiders. And then you've got Chris, is it Nagar? Uh, from SMU, who, it, I mean, there's really not a whole lot of uh, a lot of scouting report on that side. Do you expect maybe a veteran kicker to be in the conversation? The fact that it hasn't already been is is a bit shocking. No, I think they're going to start with open competitions in the parking lot. They're going to find the kicker. It's going it's going to happen. They're not going to go into the season uh, unsure of where they are. And I think Greg the Leg for the last couple of years benefited from his relationship with Fossil, but he became a a liability uh, at, at certain points. I think you all were like, man, if we get close enough, do we even trust him? And, mm-hmm. and so yeah. for the guy like Garibay that comes in, I saw uh, YouTube of him kicking like a 70-yard, 68-yard field goal. But then what gives me the willies is not really good with 40, 45 in. We kind of need you to be good from there. Yeah, that's kind of so, where you need to be on yeah. what, what were your thoughts on these teams that were drafting kickers in the fourth round? Cade York is a good kicker. There's like two or three of them that win. Shouldn't the have been a fourth round kicker. There was a kicker and then a couple punters that they, oh, is that they what it was? that they drafted. That was two kickers. Yeah, but it was I don't know. There may have been another kicker in there, but I know Cade York was the first one off the board, okay. and that was expected. Did it ever cross your mind in the fourth? Mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about for Dallas in the fifth. Yes. Yeah. One of those four fifth round picks, absolutely, it crossed my mind. I I would have clamored for it. I think everybody was thinking that. <laughs> Cameron Dicker was going to be our kicker. Dicker the kicker. Apparently yeah. he uh, apparently he is not held in high regard oh. in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Apparently he he in wasn't high wasn't very good toward the end of his career as no. a kicker. He's a good punter. His first team All Big Twelve punter. He did both for Texas last year. But it, early in his career, it was kind of like like a big name for him that the media kind of hopped on and. I guess late it, it fizzled, f- fizzled out a little bit, and then they moved into punter. Uh oh. So, uh oh. He can't. Uh oh. What's going on, Isaiah? <laughs> Proceed. Proceed. Move on. Uh, Dane Brugler had him, Garibay, Jonathan mm-hmm. Garibay, who the Cowboys signed fourth among kickers mm-hmm. in his beast guide. So nice. And he was the guy that John Fossil liked, supposedly. That was the guy he wanted. And Bones gets who Bones wants. <laughs> I was just about to so, say. It's kind of kind of the the common theme here is that Bones gets who he wants. We'll see. They don't. I mean, you know, they don't have a they don't have a proven guy. So, but Dan Bailey wasn't proven when he came in either. So hopefully it'll work yeah. out for him. Good point. It's a good point. All right, Josh in Maryland is on the line. Josh, how's it going on the East Coast out there? Hey, can't complain, fellas. It's finally getting warm out here. How y'all feeling? Good, man. Doing fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I uh, got a real quick questions, basically based around the linebackers that we got here, because I was pretty much satisfied with the draft. I think all the Cowboys fans were, because we got our needs, no real star players or nothing like that. But Isaiah, you really ain't like to pick a, a Ferguson. You wanted to get the, the dude from Alabama, but don't you think? Because it looked like they both gonna be red shirting this year. Um, him and Clark. 
don't you think Clark is just as good as he was um, coming out the gate? And two, with this man, Leighton Vander, at second year up under Dan Quinn, do you think he takes another step forward or do y'all think we see all that we saw from him? Because I thought he had a good season last year, but it don't look like teams around the league did. So that's just my question. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you my call. Appreciate you, Josh. We'll start with you, Isaiah. He's talking about N'Kobe Dean from Georgia yep, versus Clark. versus Damone Clark from LSU, who the Cowboys did select. Yeah, I think they're both very productive players. I I do like the speed and the, I don't want to say the reckless abandonment of N'Kobe Dean, but I like the fact that he's a wrecker. Like he just yeah. wrecks stuff. Um, and you have that in Micah Parsons. He just wrecks stuff, right, from numerous positions. So I like the idea of when Micah Parsons decides to, when they decide to walk him down to the line of scrimmage, having somebody with the same characteristics to be able to wreck some things at the second level, being that we like to just run with two linebackers at a time. So I like that idea. That has nothing to do with the fact that Damon Clark can go out there and make plays. Nothing against him. I hope that he goes out there and wrecks some things as well. But I'm just going off of what I know about N'Kobe Dean. That was the one element that you just knew was going to be present when he's on the field. He's going he's gonna to disrupt some things. And I, I like that idea. So, but I'm looking forward to seeing Clark. What and that's think? why that's why Bobby Wagner was so attractive to you, oh, just because you knew what his wheelhouse was and what he could do as a linebacker and also being able to use Michael Parsons the way that you know Dan Quinn is going to try and move use him. He's going to move around a lot. So uh, that's why Leighton Vander Esch right now is very important to the equation. And without yeah. them going into the draft and sort of addressing it, uh, and even now in free agency not having addressed it, um, it, it your, your eyes are kind of open to, to say what's going to happen with the linebacker room. But I think, you know, there's a, a story Jackson from Liberty, the, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. He is a kid that, you know, they're going to be some kids on this, uh, some men on this uh, in the linebacker room that have a decent opportunity to make this uh, roster, especially through special teams, as you always note. Uh, but we have to do something uh, about what we have because we don't have what you would think is a proven commodity at the linebacker position right now. Aaron Hansford also, Texas A&M, highly regarded. Good player. I mean, that, that's, that's a name to watch. I mean, when you're talking about an undrafted guy who could step in and maybe earn a job. Devin Harper, the, the six-round pick, is somebody that yeah. could get a spot as a special teams guy. I don't know about within the defensive rotation, but but he, man, he was there for six years, and he was mainly a special teams guy, reserve linebacker, until his last year of college, and he blew up last year. So, um, Do you think that they added watch. anybody to push Van Der Esch? I feel like they added people on the outside, on the perimeter, yeah. but did they, do you feel like they added anybody to challenge Van Der Esch? I think they're expecting that to come from Jabril Cox. He's not. A, he's not a Mike. No, I know. But yeah, I, that's, 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 that's what I'm talking about. The Mike position, specifically the Mike. Yeah. I I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, and that's what I'm, I'm like. I think they're expecting him to come in and play significant snaps because a lot of the times they're going to go with two linebackers. They're going to sure. go with that nickel set. They're not going to have all three sure. linebackers out there. Yeah, I think I, Cox is more of the Neal spot. Absolutely, but, have, but I'm know, but I'm saying like you See, need a mic in this defense in that regard too. In this defense, you need a mic. Yeah, you need yeah. a sound mic. Which is why I was, you know, the whole I was on a Bobby train. You need somebody who's going to stand up there and take on linemen. Yeah, you you have to have that guy, and I don't believe that they addressed that particular area in terms of having somebody to push Vanderich. I feel like they put the hat on him was like, hey, this is your spot again. Go run with it. They didn't they didn't add any depth to anybody to even remotely challenge him. 
that may tell you how they intend on operating as a defense without them addressing it. I mean, they're kind of giving you the breadcrumbs to how they're going to operate as a yeah. defense if they are going into the season saying Leighton Vander Esch is our guy. The only thing that I have about Leighton is can he stay healthy through an entire season? That's yeah. still going to be the question, and that's why I want to yeah, address it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think any that's why I say are you asleep at the wheel because you know what problems he's had as far as, as, far as staying available. And I don't doubt that, that Devin Harper can step in. But you just stated, I mean, his ability to get on the field is going to be through what he does in special teams. As for all of these guys in the linebacker room, I don't think they're looking at any of these guys to be instant defense. And even with Jabril coming back from the ACL injury, there's going to be some residual from that. And we should expect it. And I, and I, I look for I love, you know, I love Dan Quinn and I love his defenses. His however, my only concern and that's my dog. Uh, my, you only, know preface. <laughs> my only concern is that this high-flying, fast defense that he's been known to have and that worked on the West Coast and worked in ATL and obviously worked last year, the NFC East is starting to go back to the roots of the NFC East in terms of bully ball, in yeah. terms of Talk about big, it. physical, just move you off the right. ball type. Front seven of Fr- Washington, man, front seven Come of on Philly. now. So, yeah. like, that's what it's turning back into. So, my only inkling of a, of a concern comes at the fact that our fast, you know, our fast hybrid linebackers that can run around and disrupt things and run around and hit people, if linemen get up to them, if linemen get up to them, the way that the NFC East linemen are starting to turn out, people are drafting big boy linebacker, big boy linemen. Dallas drafted a big boy lineman, right? Yeah. Everybody's going back to run first, throw second. Can they handle that with their current size? That's my only concern, and the reason why I wanted somebody to come in and challenge Vander Esch, because if you needed to put two Vander Eshes out there, you have that size to put two 6'4", 240-pound, 250-pound linebackers and say, okay, you want to run the ball? Let's go. 230 pounds and 245 pounds is a major difference That is at the linebacker position. Major. Yeah. It, it's a chess game because you're, you're trying to – it's moved, the defenses have moved to more of this hybrid look because you got it because the way the passing game yep. is now, and you've got that's why Jaron Curse is is kind of a chess piece. You move around. You love Micah because he can cover, and and he's got the closing speed and all that. But you can the run game is part of it too. Can you stand up against the run? Can your interior linemen stand up against the run? I don't know if John Ridgway, we got a mailback question about can John Ridgeway and and Quentin Bohanna be part of a. Double, just a big hefty package. Part of your package, it's like I, I don't know Two about that. Trash cans full of dirt. I, I love I, it. I don't know if both guys make the team, but mm. they're trying to. Whoa, that just shot that down. All Whoa, right. Well, they're tr- they're trying to address that help, with some with some beef inside. <laughs> but we'll see if it works out. <laughs> Let's take our second break. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've, we've got a couple. I we've got a couple more calls. <laughs> Is on that the crazy line. to say? I, no, I mean, I don't. It's I, not. I mean, we just like messing with you. I mean, I think. I don't know. Quinn Bohanna was a. He was a six-round pick, pick and he played some last year, but not a ton. Hmm. Let's take our second break. Pastor Q will get to you right after this. You're listening to Talking Cowboys on DallasCowboys.com. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. At AT AT&T... 
everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call. And teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network's busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. Back to Talking Cowboys. Whether you're watching from home or you're cheering in the stands with Essilor lenses, you can see every exciting play. Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and see what Essilor can do for you. See more, do more. Essilor on Talking Cowboys. Welcome back, everybody. Isaiah Stanback, Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, Kyle Yeomans, and now joined by our friend down in Alexandria, Virginia, Pastor Q on the phone now. What's up? You're on Talking Cowboys. Guys, how you guys doing, man? Doing good. Fantastic. Great, man. Listen, I called in yesterday to hanging in the, with the boys and, and, and had got a question in, and I want to do some sort of follow-up with you all as well, um, but mainly about the receiving core. I know that we don't have Coop. And I felt that last year, going 12-5 and five in those games, we didn't have him. We could have used him, but we were still in those games. So the question that I have for you is, with the uh, undrafted free agents that we have coming in, namely Drummond and, I think, Fry Froggle and, um, and T.J. Basher, who I think is going to be a stud, we, mm-hmm. we have some pieces there. But why not look at Tony Pollard as our Debo Samuel? I mean, here is a guy that can run it out of the backfield. He played receiver in college. Maybe we just need to scheme up some more and um, try to get him some more uses because um, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. And I kind of don't want to see him walk. I think he's valuable. I just want to get your thoughts on that and um, how you see about the receiving core and how we can use Pollard, um, you know, kind of as a Swiss Army knife, kind of like they use Parsons on the defense. Hex in. Thank you for that question. Hex is in. Yeah, you like that idea, right? Of course I do. I've been been clamoring for it. I want it. and, but his question was, you know, obviously about Drummond and Vasher and guys that are on the backside of our um, of the roster actually making it. I think that's going to be the stretch uh, for these guys. I, I do believe that they're going to bring in a veteran, a proven veteran. I think somebody – there are a lot of teams that are not yet done – cutting guys. We still got to go in the camp. And so someone will emerge uh, from that group. But I think 
I, I go back to what I was saying before about Dan Quinn in the linebacker room. You could tell that they hadn't done anything of note in the wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. So they obviously have plans for other guys. And when you know you talk about the pressure that's on individual groups to perform, the wide, wide receiver group is one that you're going to have the spotlight firmly on. And I mean, for CeeDee Lamb, as you place it, he has to know that there are whispers out there that he's not considered to be the upper echelon. And I think for Dak, it's going to be for him to prove that CD is one of those upper echelon uh, receivers. But I think of that group that we're looking at, you will probably have a guy emerge that you probably were not thinking about. And you pointed to the guy uh, earlier, uh, Smith, yeah. that was on, on the roster before. I mean, they're just names, and there's a lot of opportunity in the wide receiver room. So Yeah. Uh, going back to Tony Pollard versus Debo Samuel, my initial thought was – Tony Pollard's not as big as Debo Samuel. Same size. However, Mm-mm. it's only four pounds. Four it's all. pounds. Yeah, but it's the different same build. size. Build. It, it is a, a different build, though. I was about to. I was getting yeah. there. But, but you look at you look at the strength from Debo Samuel. I don't think it's out of the question that you could do something similar with oh, Tony yeah. Pollard. It doesn't mean he's Debo Samuel 2.0, but you could use him in similar ways. The Cowboys have done it before. Think about the Saints game last year, the one where he actually started with the the plantar fasciitis. That game, I mean, they used him in the backfield. They used him on sweeps. They used him in the receiving game. That's something I think that needs to be an element of this offense and and established more because I don't even think he really got a chance to get into a rhythm in 2021 as a guy who they put to the outside as a receiver running back hybrid. TP is fully capable. He's fully capable of fulfilling that that Debo Samuel-ish role here in Dallas. However, Debo Samuel doesn't even want to fulfill the Debo Samuel-ish role because of the wear and tear on your body. Yeah. And so understand what comes with that. Yes, he can. TP can go out there and make all the plays for you, be at the backfield, be in the, at the receiver position. He can do all that. Fully capable. Talent out, out, out the wazoo. But his body's going to take a toll. Yeah. So if you think that, that Zeke, you, you would like to have a beat-down Zeke and a beat-down TP, yeah. go ahead. But you need, you need somebody to be at 100%. But you think I just look look at what Philly did in the, in the acquisition of AJ Brown. You know they got AJ Brown, Devontae. You had to bring that up, huh? I do. I am because you know, look, you got AJ, Devontae. All you missing is Casey and JoJo. It's coming. I mean, you have they're a lot of talent. Either. They're and, not done either, and they're not. But I'm the yeah. way that they're going to use. AJ Brown, oh, and they have to do it with motion. He may be with the with the contract that he have. They they may use him in the backfield. Don't forget that the Philly was still leading the league in rushing last year. But I think the NFL has caught wind of what Shanahan is doing with the 49ers, and they want to try and use their slot guys like that. Now, will they be at the end of the season at the contract time saying, "Hey, you better pay me as a running back and a receiver"? That's yet to be seen. But I think. In the NFL, there's a new way that teams are using this wide-open concept in the offense with the slot receivers. Yeah, and I think it's something that they could grow on and, and establish more from Kellen Moore. Maybe it opens the playbook a little bit more. It just that threat is enough for defenses to have a bit of hesitation, and that's I, I'm with Hekma. Doesn't mean you have to do it 100 percent of the time. It doesn't mean you have to put more wear and use it. on Tony Pollard, but at least have it in the bag. We talk about the bag and getting deeper. Let's deepen. Let's widen that bag as much as possible. All right, Lynn from California is on the line. Our final call here on this Talking Cowboys Tuesday. Lynn, what's going on? Good morning, guys. How are you? Morning, morning. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I'm sorry, but tell me what tape you saw on this Ridgeway kid from Arkansas, this defensive tackle that made 
Dallas point to him and say, that's the guy that's going to help us stop the run because I can't find it. He's big, but he doesn't play big. He doesn't play with pop. Um, and then tight end they picked. I like him. He's got sticky hands as a receiver. He's a crafty, willing blocker. He's not a road grader, but he gets in the way and he knows his angles. So if we go into 12 personnel, this guy ends up being a good pick. What two receivers are in the huddle in 12? So two questions. Tape on Ridgeway that points to him being the guy. And who are the two receivers in 12? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate your call, Lynn. And and I, I get the, the pause on a guy like Ridgeway. But first things first, got to remember, this was a fifth-round pick. It was one of four fifth-round picks. So it's not like they were making this selection in the top 100. They were jumping out of the cake for this guy. They made a selection based on value of a guy that was valued around the third or the fourth round. And that's a league standpoint. The the ATP sheets that we get, the adjusted production league sheets, that is a league-wide thing, said third or fourth round. So the league thought he was a third or a fourth-round pick. But I, I watched the Georgia game, the Alabama game, and the Ole Miss game because I don't really mess around with tape. I try and get as many guys out there as possible. So I go to the big schools first, and then I watch what he does there. I said, powerful, smart player, uses great technique and strength to win at the point of attack. Run stuffer who anchors the middle with ease and is a tough guy to move off his spot. So he's not necessarily a pass producer. He's not a pass rusher that's going to break through the middle of your defense. He's ultimately going to have a ton of sacks. He only had two sacks with Arkansas with his one year. He had four tackles for loss. What his job is to do as the nose tackle is that one technique or a zero technique is to sit in the middle and let the guys around him Form a pocket and just anchor the defensive line. That's what you want him to do. And that's what they saw in the fifth round as a guy saying, hey, we've seen him do it before. We've seen him do it against some of the best offensive linemen in the country in terms of the SEC and in terms of Alabama, Georgia. He did it on a consistent occasion, and he provided run-stuffing ability. That's the kind of thing that they're looking at to supplement a guy like a Quentin Bohanna. Ridgeway right now is better than Quentin Bohanna. I think that 100%. Like, no doubt in my mind. He's better than Quentin Bohanna. Doesn't mean he's going to come in and light the world on fire and he's going to be the number one defensive tackle in all of the NFC East. Doesn't mean that's the case. But he can come in and provide a, a little bit of a, an impact in the run defense there. He had 12 tackles for loss over his career, Arkansas and Illinois State. And like, yeah, right, it's a dart throw in the fifth round. And, and if he makes the team, he'll be an early round, early down guy to help stuff the run. On third down, you're going to get your best pass rushers on the field. Yeah. So that's 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 the kind of role you're looking for and maybe a guy Brent Urban filled that a little bit when he was healthy. You're hoping a young guy like that could come in and, and grow into that role. But yeah. that is an important role. I mean, just point 169 rushing yards that San Francisco had mm. in the playoff game. One more thing to add on Ridgeway. He was recruited as an offensive tackle. Moved to defensive tackle early in his career at Illinois State. And then after a couple of years, then he transferred to Arkansas and, and was good at Arkansas. Had no drop-off from going from an Illinois State where you're playing in FCS ball, and then you turn around, you're playing in the SEC, and he was able to see that. There's a ceiling with and, this guy that has not been hit yet. And in the SEC against, I mean, the biggest, most powerful offensive lines in, in the conference. So they've yeah. seen a little bit of that from him. So yeah. it's wor- it was worth a shot. See if he can develop. Second question was surrounding the wide receiving core, right? Anybody remember what Yeah, it was a Hooter, two receivers in 12. There you go. Who do you think? Who are you going with? 
Mm, I think you go right now. Right now, right now, right now. Right now, right now. Uh, so right Gallup now, out of the equation. Yeah, I think you're CD and James Washington, personally. Not Tolbert? No. Why? Just don't, don't know. Just a no. question mark, drafty. Just question mark, yeah. Okay. I think Could be changed after next week. Sure thing. You're going with the sure thing. Now, obviously, once Gallup gets healthy, then it's CD and Gallup. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it's at right now. I got I to gotta see the rookie. I got to see him. Yeah. I think it would be – I think I'm, I'm with you. Right now, mm-hmm. but I think there's a very good competition that's going to be had between oh, James Washington sure. and Jalen Tolbert. I'm sure. I like Jalen Tolbert a lot. I think he'll win that job. But right now, I agree with you. you just haven't seen him. James, so James Washington has seen a lot of ball. If we played tomorrow, I would go with the vet. <laughs> He's seen a yeah. lot. People got to understand that when you're looking at people look at the characteristics and capabilities of receivers. People don't. You can't see the savviness. People. He has so much savviness to him, and he understands. He understands the route. He understands the concepts. He understands exactly where he where he um, sits in those particular concepts. He understands defenses in this league. Those are things that you can't expect a rookie to come in understanding. Rookie might have exceptional talent. But if he doesn't have those other aspects, the, the savvy vet's always going to win that. It's one thing Will McClay kept talking about him, though, in terms of his football IQ mm-hmm. to adjust to those things. But you gotta you gotta come in and be able to do it and do yeah. it quickly to beat out a vet early. What are your thoughts on that, real quick? No, I just up? no, I just think that. I'm with you, Isaiah. The sure thing is where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know exactly what uh, the other player, the rookie, is going to, to offer. So, got to go there first. But the thing about Ridgeway, I just want to go back to that is, you know, back to your point, Isaiah, with the linebackers. You, mm-hmm. They have to be able to shed and run. And you want to have that one technique or zero technique or three technique to be able to hold up those blockers. Yeah. And you get a body, 6'6", six, six, 320 pounds with Bohanna. And when they go to the jumbo package, <laughs> you know, obviously that's where you're going to be able to li- allow your fast guys uh, to get off the ball and run. Bathtub plug. You remember the old plugs that you used to put in the bathtub? Just back the big, in the day? thick ones. <laughs> yeah. So that's Gosh. what his that, thing is. Why come you guys don't bring up Gallimore no more? Is he just like... He's a three technique. This is a different role. Okay. I would say it's a different role. I just role. maybe he put on weight. Uh, maybe. Yeah, he could have. I, I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, by the way, we started this <laughs> show making a joke about Tom Brady. The numbers are out on his contract for so, what the Fox is. And we don't even know when it's going to start. You don't even know when it's going to start. Probably, you, you've seen it, right? No. So is it 25 no. a year? More. Stop what? This. Dude, 10 years, $375 million. All right, it's been dollars. good, people. $37.5 a year to be a broadcaster for 10 years for Fox. What's Romo make? 17. 17. <laughs> Whoa. He's more than doubled Tony Romo. He's, he's put 20 mil on Tony's deal. Oh, my God. Oh my God. That's unbelievable. That's shocking. That, that's being reported by the New York Post. And this is coming from the company that didn't pay Troy Aikman enough to keep him around. Yeah. And then they throw out 375 for Tom Brady. What's Tom making this year to play? He's going oh, he he to gonna he's gonna make way more. more doing. Jeez. Golly. All right, that's going to do it for Talking Cowboys. We're all going to reevaluate our career decisions, and we will be back with you next Tuesday to talk about rookie minicamp, what we've seen, and we get ready that's, for OTAs geez. coming up in a couple of weeks. For Rob Phillips, Isaiah Stanback, Heckma Harrison, Chris Beam, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks so long. We'll see you next week from the star in Frisco. God. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!